What up, guys? Welcome to the New American Dream Podcast. I'm your host, George Gibson. All right, we got a great show today. I know you guys have been looking forward to a new podcast episode, but here we go today. But before we get into the podcast, I would just like to say I hope everybody's doing safe and sound during this COVID-19. And pretty much right now, there's not much we can do as far as going outside. So what I have been doing personally is basically going through my monthly expenses Seeing where I can cut out expenses. Uh, many people, we have uh, subscriptions and things on auto pay. And just go through your statement and look for things that you got on auto pay that you don't even use. Like recently, I looked at mine. We had two Prime memberships in one house, me and my wife. Like why we got two Prime accounts? That is a waste of money. So I canceled one of them. But basically, just go through your monthly expenses and see where you can cut costs at. Because as you know... We don't know what's ahead of us as far as the market. So if the market decides to drop, you know, you want to be in a position where you can make a a power move and invest your money. So today we have on the show, this guy is a real estate developer. He buys and sells properties out of state. And one of the main things I took from this show is he dropped the gym. I'm going to just give a hint. How to find deals. This is a one. This is one way I haven't really heard of. And I'm going to just say two words, county meetings and watch out for road work. That's the only thing I'm going to say. But listen to the episode. He's going to give you great advice on how to find deals in your city and just long-term management over your properties. So here we go. We have Daniel Barrera Jr. Here we go. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you for inviting me, George. I really appreciate it. All right. So let the people know who you are and just tell a little bit about what you do. So my name is Dan Barrero. Uh, my company name is USALandVentures.com. We, uh, my brother and I are partners, my brother David. We've been uh, in the real estate business since 1989. Uh, we started in downtown Brooklyn, an area called Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Right. Uh, it's an area actually that I grew up in right across the street from the projects. Um, when I graduated from college, I decided to come back and open up my first business there. And through the years, um, my dad, my brothers and I, I had two brothers, what we started doing was accumulating property. Right. Um, and then we got into the land business totally by accident. And then that really blossomed, uh, where we would like rocking and rolling with land until about 2008. And then, from 2010 to now, what we've been doing is primarily uh, flipping properties throughout the states of New Jersey, New York, Central Florida. And then we, what we do is we take our our flipping property uh, profits. Right. We consider that to be our offensive strategy. Uh-huh. Um, we pay our taxes, of course, every quarter. And whatever net profits those are, we purchase long-term holding properties whether okay. they be common townhomes, multifamily, mixed-use properties. And that's our defensive uh, investments. Uh, All right. So let's start Let's start from the beginning. So right now, with the COVID-19 going on, are you up in New York? I am currently in New York, yes. But we do business in the states of New Jersey, Florida, and New York, yes. Okay. So have you seen a big impact as far as the COVID-19 on your business? Totally depends on the region, right? So yeah. I haven't seen any impact on my Florida on um, long-term holding properties on rentals. If I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're referring to. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, we have no. There's been no pushback at all 
from right. tenants at, in, in our Florida inventory. However, on New York and New Jersey, there is, uh, we have about a, maybe a one and a half to 2% uh, delinquent rate right now for the month of May. Uh, right. All the rents have been collected for April. So but what are you, what, honestly, it's, it's, it's their, their, their actual, with the exception of two people, right. They're, they're real re- good reasons why. Okay. So you're working with the tenants. If they, ha- they normally pay on time, but they're having trouble right now. You're yeah. I mean, like they're, a- they're making, they're making sincere efforts. You know, they're, they're giving me a call rather than me having to call them and they're getting in front of the issue. Right. Um, which helps a lot. Right. You know, it makes everyone's life easier when tenants are communicating with you. Oh, exactly. when you have a good relationship with the tenant, right? Um, but that you know, the ones the two that are are not communicating, it's because they really don't have a reason not to pay. They both have jobs that um, that they get. They're still getting paid on. They're, they're municipality workers. Okay. Um, so that there's no doubt that they're getting paid. They're just using this as an excuse. Oh, gotcha. All right. So I know you you said a little bit about how you grew up, but growing up, you grew up in up north. And would you say you was middle class? You said poor? You know, so it, that's a really difficult question to answer, and I'll tell you why. Right. We didn't have money, but I never knew we didn't have money, if that makes sense. No, totally um, sense. You know, when you grow up in an area where <laughs> you hang out, you, you wake up in the morning, in the summertime, you go hang out in the stoop waiting for your friends to come out. Everybody meets at the stoop, right? And then from there, you figure out where you're going to go. If you're going to go play the schoolyard or stickball in the street, whatever that may be, right? Right. And everyone's in the same situation. But when I came home, you know, there was always food on the table. The house, you know, the apartment was always clean. Our parents were always working. Um, We always had clothes. So, you know, it's not until you're older when you start seeing a different lifestyle, when you start leaving the neighborhood, right? Where you realize, you know, that you may not, you, you may be going without, but you just never knew it before, right? Right. Um, so, no, I, I actually grew up in a home where, you know, my mother was extremely encouraging of education and my father taught us how to work, not with his words as much with his actions. You know, he was he was out every morning and coming home late every day because he was out there working, make, trying to make the life better for all of us. So my house is eight kids. Whoa. So... Yeah. So, so it was, was it entrepreneurship or everybody worked like a typical nine to five as far as your parents? So my pa- my 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 mother worked nine to five, of course, until, you know, I think the fourth child. Right. And then um, my father was a sheet metal mechanic. And when I was 10 years old, uh, this is a good story. I remember him coming home and my mother going crazy because he quit his job. Wow. And what happened was they kept. So my father, my my parents came here to the states with absolutely no money and without knowing the English language. Uh, to this day, my father has a strong accent, right. um, and and he's proud of it, and so am I actually. Um, right. So they kept giving the foreman job to someone else, and the third time they passed him up for the foreman's job, they came to him and said, "Look, you know, we want you to teach the foreman how to do a specific job, whatever that job is. I don't remember." what was I was only 10 years old and he pretty much told the boss you know you pay him to be the foreman you don't pay me let him go find somebody else to teach him so he told him well then if you don't teach him I'm gonna fire you he says well you don't need to fire me because I quit quit that's so crazy he so home. he kept skipping over him and I heard right. about that somewhere else before a recent like guy worked at a grocery store a head meat cutter and they hired I guess like a nephew and made him the head meat cutter you know that's 
That's that's not right. Exactly. So, you know, he came home and my mother was going nuts saying, you know, we don't even have to rent for this month. I, I, I remember like it was yesterday because I'm the oldest of the eight. Right. Um, and he was like, you know, he's not doing this anymore. He'll figure it out. And later on that day, a friend of his that same night, maybe an hour or two later, I don't remember. I was young, came in and, you know, said, you know, remember that store you always said was a moneymaker that the guy's not running right the deli down the corner. He said, yeah, he goes, well, he's selling it. So my father, I actually went down with him and his friend and he made a deal with him. The guy gave him the keys that night <laughs> and my father owned the deli for 35 years. <laughs> wow. So that's where yeah. you get your entrepreneurship from is when you seen yeah. the best of the deli. Yeah, it was. Listen, I tell everybody what I learned behind a counter. Right. You couldn't learn going to 12 years of college, you know, getting your doctor's degree. You couldn't learn. You know, we figured out how to tell whether the guy walking through the front door was coming in to hurt us or buy something. Um, you know, it was, yeah. it was bad. Back then. You, know, you can't was, teach. Uh, yeah, you can't teach that. <laughs> no, body language. You, you just this. It's you can't teach it. It's something that you have. You have it in you or you learn it. Right. So. Yeah. OK, so you growing up, your dad gets a store and. Did you end up after high school? What did you do next? You went to college, I know. Uh, so yeah, my dad wanted to wanted me to stay in the store uh, with him, right. maybe you know get another store. And I just felt, I I did you know he was a little upset with me. I knew I know he was, but I I, I had bigger visions. You know, um, not that that wasn't a big vision, but I just couldn't see myself working 12 hour days, six, seven days a week, the rest of my life or the next 30 years. And I had bigger vision. Um, I was, and I don't know, I think my dad was more concerned with me disappointing myself. I was, I'm a, I, I have a severe learning disabilities. So I grew up in a very poor educational system. All right. Um, thank God my parents were very supportive. And, you know, I, I barely got through high school and I just I pretty much went to the only college that accepted me um, wow. and graduated with a with a B average. Uh, All right. It's funny. I just met up with, you know, and it was a low B 3.0. Yeah. Right. Um, and I just met up with some college friends of mine last year. And my friend Tony says to me all the time, he goes, I tell my sons, he goes, you were the hardest working C student I ever knew in my life. So, <laughs> man, oh, man. But yeah. I, I think, like, people should take from that because I'm the same way. I'm not the smartest kid, and I wasn't the smartest kid in college or high school. But the teacher said, hey, you write 10 words down 100 times, you get an extra 10 points on the test. I was exactly. Them, yeah, you know what I mean? I was writing them 100 words, and people would be like, I'm not I would a, I would ask the teacher, what if I wrote them 2,200 times? <laughs> I get them 20 points? <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's what I, I – uh, a lot of people should take that from that. It doesn't really matter how smart you are. I mean, if you're a hard worker and you taking the right steps, is is only one way. It's probably going to be successful. Successful. Precisely. You know, and my, my dad taught me that because uh, working under his – his leadership, uh, there was there's no room for excuses. He, he, you couldn't come to him with an excuse. You know, he gave you a job to do. You make sure you get it done and make sure it was done right. So, that's that's probably one of the reasons why, no matter wherever I worked, uh, you know, especially in college, I they, I would always get pay raises before everyone else because I never gave an excuse. You know, I was I was there 20 minutes before and I would stay until the job was done. It didn't matter if 
you know, I was supposed to stay until five. I stood there until whenever the job was done. All right. Um, Let's just say if you would have got, if you would have um, took over the family business and got a store and you would have been working, let's say 60 hours a week. How many hours do you actually work right now compared to if you would have well, been doing that? The store, the food business is a tough business, right? Right. So it wouldn't have been 60. It would have been a lot more than 60. Um, do I work 60 hours a week now? Yeah, I do. But it's a difference, right? The difference is that I work 60 hours a week because I love what I do. Okay. And, and the other difference is that the real estate business allowed me to work around my kids' schedules. So I missed a lot with my first two daughters, with right. my first two children, uh, because I was always working. And I had not, I had retail stores. We had my brother and I, and my dad, we had, we had laundromats. We had a video store. We had, we had over 125 uh, beeper subscription accounts, which you pro- I don't know if you would know what that nah, is, but yeah, I cell phones, there were beepers. Yeah. And um, then we went, we had cell phone stores. We had uh, 10 ATM, t- 10 ATM machines going that we had to fill up three times a week. We were, we were working like serious hours. Um, until we figured out, and I'll tell you when it hit me, I was listening to, uh, it was one night, three o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep because of everything going through my head, you know, and I'm sure you experienced this as a young entrepreneur yourself. Yeah. Even when you're sleeping, you're thinking about your business, right? Right. So I couldn't sleep and I was, and I turned on the TV and I was watching an interview with, uh, with Warren Buffett. And he's a woman asked him why he doesn't invest in um, in currency or tech stocks or in options, uh, rather not options, uh, futures. And right. he said, because he doesn't understand it. And of course, the woman was taken aback and listed all his qualifications and his achievements. And he said, well, look, you know, look at where we're sitting. And it was pretty much like a 7-Eleven or a Wawa's. I don't know the name of the store. Right. And he was, ha- he was sipping, he was sipping on a Slurpee. And he said, see, this business, I understand this is why I bought 55% of the business. He goes, when people go to work in the morning, they stop here and they get their bagels, their breakfast, their cup of coffee, and they go, they get their newspaper. They come here for lunch. And then when they're coming home, they stop here and they get their staples, their milk, their juice, their bread, their gas, the gasoline, the lotto tickets. He goes, I understand this. So I only invest in what I understand. And when he said that, um, I couldn't sleep the rest of the night, of course. I sat at my desk and I came up with a plan. And within six months, we were out of retail and all into real estate. Wow. That's, yeah. that's That was a lot right there. If, yeah. you were, if you dozed off right there, last 30 seconds was like, that was a deep information right there. So basically. Well, but we were prepared because we had already started buying property all right. those years while we had the retail stores. We were you know, every other year or every year buying a multifamily property, whether it be three or four family or, or five family with two storefronts, we had already investments, but I wanted to really grow um, further than that. So um, that, and that's what I was saying though. You said um, he invested in convenience stores, but because he understand them. Precisely. Yes. You know, I'm a, I'm a heavy real estate guy. I don't hate stocks. I just, like you said, I don't fully understand it. And I don't, I'm the type of person I want to be in control of my destiny, somewhat at least. So people, I I think uh, last week or two weeks ago, they said SeaWorld stock had went up. 
And I'm like, SeaWorld is closed. Why would their stock go up? You know? And it's like, it don't make sense to me. It, You know what? It doesn't make sense to me either. I've never been very good at the market. I'm, but in all honesty, I haven't been good at it because I don't enjoy it. So I, it's difficult to do something you don't enjoy, to do it well at least. And that's why I tell my kids, I don't care what they do, it's just as long as they love what they do. Right. So the money you, will come. Okay. So did you always know you would end up working for yourself, even from like in the age of 25, 24? I knew it since that day, the, the day I could remember thinking. Jeez. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> so, I'm sure you weren't expecting that answer, but. <laughs> no, nah, I wasn't. I was like, maybe he had a bad experience at Lowe's uh, Home Depot, and he was like, I'm not working. No, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is, man. It's 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 simple. You know, how old are you? Let me ask you that. Because I know I'm you're thir- young. Yes, I'm 31. So, look, uh, you know, for people of, of color and people who come to this country, you know, I'm a first generation born here. Right. It's, it's, you know, is, is the system slided a little bit? Yes. It, it was it much slider when I was your age. Absolutely. Um, but the one thing that the real estate business does provide actually any business, as long as you're willing to work harder than anyone else. Right. Is, uh, is equality. Cause money doesn't know what your religion is, what your race is, your educational background if you have a criminal history, it doesn't know any of that. All it knows is that it ends up in the hands of whoever's willing to think smarter and work harder. Right. So what I'm saying is I always knew that I wanted to be uh, self-employed and I, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll pretty much tell you the day that I knew I wanted to have a nice house. Uh, I was watching TV in my, in my house. It was a black and white TV and, um, uh, this this show came on where when the, the woman, the, the wife is handing the husband his briefcase and, you know, he's going into a nice car that's parked in his driveway and they have this white shaggy dog with a nice white picket fence. And I looked at my mother and I said, Ma, do people really live like that? And she said to me, you will one day. Wow. And that's always stuck in my mind. And she probably doesn't even remember ever telling me that. Right. Um, but yeah, I knew then that if I wanted to live like that, I needed to make it under my own terms. And, you know, because corporate America, I didn't have the polish, the look or the dress. Um, and I didn't know how to play the politics. I would never right. be good at it. And I wasn't ever going to be good at it. Um, right. And that's, that's a different one story the, today, though. Right. That's a much different story today. But I recommend uh, people... Like a lot, it's a, like right now, entrepreneur is a popular sport. If you would say, I don't know if it was back when you was doing it, but right now everybody kind of wanted like say, I don't have a job. So with that being said, when I think back, even I, I'm still young, but when I was 23, 24, I used to, um, and I still do. I ride in neighborhoods where I want to live, or I go to car dealerships where I want a car, at, even though I can't afford it yet. You know, and it's kind of like. Your mom said, you know, you were having one day is that building that vision and then just like it manifests, you know, it does. It does. Um, look, I the only the real advice I could give to anybody. And, and I and I just had this conversation with my son who just graduated 
Well, he graduated with an economics degree, and he's a little, you know, upset because of the situation we're in right now. Because he had been going on some really interesting interviews before this all happened with COVID. Right. Um, I said to him, "Look who you come from. Make yourself a job. That's the wonderful part about the United States of America. You could make yourself a job. You just got to you need to figure out what to sell." It's you make it sound simple to make yourself a job. So. Let me see. It, I, I was. <laughs> Listen, my no. wife tells me the same thing. I make it sound simple that not everybody comes from the same stock. <laughs> yeah, because I, because I, you got to think, there's a lot of people right now who are laid off and stuff, and they're they supposed to go back, but they're not sure they're going back to work. So make yourself a job. I look at it. All right, you got he got his economics degree, so he gonna make himself a job with the information he learned in school, or just any business. No. So I'll tell you what I tell my kids about college. This is college. If you go to college to make you money, which is what I thought I was going to college for, um, and then quickly learned what I was really there was to broaden my horizons. College is not going to make you money. You make money. If, yeah. if a college degree determined how wealthy you were going to be, then you would have people from, with doctor's degrees, like I have tenants that graduated from Harvard Business School paying me rent. Wow. So I actually make more than, than that tenant does, even though she graduated from Harvard a business, a business management school with a master's degree. Right. Right. A, a degree or that paper on a wall is only going to get you so far. At the end of the day, it's, it's all about your productivity. Exactly. So it's all about if either you have it or you don't. Now, being an entrepreneur, I don't have to tell you, it's got to be one of the most difficult lives you could ever have in your entire life. But I always yes. wanted to be in charge of my own destiny. So if I'm on my dying bed, the one thing I know I'm never going to regret is that I didn't try. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So in in that case, um, I know all right, we just talked about the mindset. That was basically people's mindset. They're getting ready to chase their dreams and goals. What was your first property investment? What did, what did that deal look like? Uh, it's a funny deal. So at the time I had a video store back in my old okay. neighborhood and I was uh, going up the corner. Don't ask me for what I can't remember. And there's this house, a two family house and it's got this big sign on it for sale. All right. So I called the broker, and I'll never forget his name, Stephen Sirota. And Steve says, if you could get in, you could make an offer. I says, what do you mean if I get in? He goes, tenants won't let anybody in. Uh, you know, I could have sold this house 10 times over. So I said, sure. I says, I'll let you know. Let me call you back. So sure enough, the tenants in the building, I know them because I grew up in the neighborhood. Wow. So I get into the whole entire property. <laughs> was, wait, I'm, was it a multi-unit? Or, or, it was only uh, a two-family unit. Uh, oh, two-family. Yeah, I call I call them up. They were asking like 119. I offered them. Now, remember, I knew nothing about real estate. <laughs> right. I offered them $72,000, and they took it. Where did you come up with this number, though? Don't ask me. I don't know. Wow. I just, I just figured... You know, it, it was, it was, what was it, like uh, almost $48,000 for 
below what they were asking. I knew no one could get in because the real the broker already told me that he couldn't sell it because nobody could get in. I said, let me just try. I didn't know anything about comp. The only thing I knew about comps was what I've heard, you know, people tell me when they went to either my father's store across the street in the morning that, you know, people in the neighborhood talk, well, so-and-so sold this property for this much or so-and-so sold their property for that much. You know, that's, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about comps. Right. Right. So they took the offer. Um, what the day we closed, it was on the uh, Greenpoint Savings. But I told them the only thing I had was fifteen thousand wow. dollars. So they took the offer. They took the fifteen thousand. They incorporated. They held the mortgage themselves. They incorporated my closing costs into the offer minus the fifteen thousand. And the day that we closed, we came back from the closing, and the tenants on the second floor stabbed one of the cousins because he made a pass at his wife, supposedly, on the front stairs. Wow. Thank God he didn't kill him. But we pull up and, you know, the police are there, the ambulance, the fire trucks. And we're like, hey, look, I would have turned around. Into. Let me get my 15000 back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to understand, like, both the properties on each side of them were also boarded wow. up. So this wasn't, it wasn't like the block that it right. is today. Fast forward, um, that property now generates about $7,000 a month in rent. And it's, we just got an offer and there's not even a for sale sign on it from an end user uh, for $2 million. Are you serious? A duplex? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the apartment upstairs is a three bedroom, two bath. And the apartment downstairs is a garden apartment with a finished basement, two bathrooms and a garden. Wow. So, and, and the rents are in you in New York, right? This is in New York. Yeah, this is in New York. So that's it's worth that to an end user. It wouldn't be worth that to an right. investor unless they're looking to buy for long term for appreciation. But that's got to be like the um, most appreciation I've ever heard of. And you say you bought it for seven? No, well, you got to remember I bought that in 1989. 2000. Yeah, we probably got into renovations about uh, over of all the years, maybe 160,000. So we're into it for two and change, 250, right. let's say. Wow. So, all right, that was the first, that was a, that was a good first deal. Not your typical first deal with a stab in the first day, but um, you made it happen. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we, I'm not going to lie to you. It was rough. You know, the interest rate was 16%. That's what the interest rate was back then. Uh, the second deal I made, oh was a two family with two storefronts two families a year a year and a right. half later it's in a place called uh, Park Slope Brooklyn at the time the only nice part to Park Slope was like two blocks up towards Prospect Park 7th Avenue going up going towards Prospect Park but we always knew that for the same reason we bought in Fort Green Brooklyn I knew that eventually the the, the, the nice part it would it would travel over I try to always buy right outside where the sexiness is. I never buy where it's already sexy and established. We always buy where we think it's going to be sexy next. Um, so, and there's, and there's things that, you know, I could tell your listeners if you want to want me to, that yeah, they should look for. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You uh, said, so do you give it like a mile radius from the, you know, downtown uh, Denver? Well, it depends. It depends on the area. So an area like in, like in, in, in Brooklyn or New York City, Five blocks can make the difference, okay. not a mile. 
if you, if you go to Jersey, then you go by townships. So in Jersey, I would be the township next to the nice place. I would go to whatever the bad township is next to the nicest okay. one. Um, same thing I would do in Florida. Same thing I would do upstate New York. But in New York, you could be two two blocks makes a difference of a half a million to a million dollars. Right. In a and I, I mean, I know people, they like try to buy in places where it's, they say, oh, it's going to be growing here. People move here in three years. Let's buy here. But that's the first time I heard somebody, you kind of like, now that I'm, with, after listening to you say that, my, I got a duplex and it's maybe, it's in the hood, but it's So I'm thinking. Uh, I just like lost you. After you just saying that, maybe in a few. I'm sorry. You said it's in the hood. I lost you. You said it's in the hood, but it's what? like a half a mile from uh, d- downtown area. That's a good area. Downtown uh, of what? Is in Florida. What's it? What 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 no, what county uh, is that? In Saint Lucie County. It's a small city. Yeah. Oh. It's not... St. Louis, St. Lucie, though, you can't miss there. I actually invest a lot in Florida. Oh, wow. I love Florida. Um, I Most of my units, I, I've, I've operated more than 100 doors in, in Central Florida. Okay, Orlando area. Everything right off my floor. So, um, you, go ahead. Listen, I, I'm going to give your audience, and I'm going to give you some really good advice. I actually did a video on this on my uh, YouTube channel. Um. The, the best thing I could tell your audience is to, to on where to anticipate where the growth is coming is, is two places. One, go to all the community affair meetings uh, or community board meetings. Community board meetings are very boring some, most of the time, and it's unfortunate, but everyone on the board likes to hear themselves talk. But you're going to be surprised how many golden nuggets you get out of those community board meetings. Because in those community board meetings, that's where people got to go to if they want to get a variance, if they want to build a bigger house, if they want to build a commercial space on a residential area, if they want to widen a specific road, that's where the state or the local or the county has to go to. You know, this is where you get your golden nuggets. And even people who live in the community don't even know this until a year after, sometimes two years after. And that's where you go in and you start acquiring your properties quietly, right? right? The other place I highly recommend, and I'm going to tell you, that's how I started buying in my old neighborhood, Fort Greene, Brooklyn. And I got that idea from a guy named Gilbert Rivera. Uh, His whole family grew up two blocks up the corner. I was friends with his brother, Martin. And I watched them grow their business and get wealthy because he was connected or made, not, I wish I'd say connected, but he made it his business to know what was going on in the in the neighborhood before everyone else. And that's what he would do. The other thing was I, I, I found was I follow Walmart. <laughs> so Walmart usually, especially if they go into right. rural areas, I find, I don't know if this is their game plan, but this is just what I've experienced. They, they go into areas before they think the population is going to grow. So they get the property cheaper, they get tax breaks, and, and they get the labor cheaper. The other thing, and this is, this is the real part, follow the Department of Transportation within the state. Mm. And then whatever information you get from the Department of Transportation website, then you follow that into the county and then into the township. 
So if the states were going to widen the road from two lanes to four lanes, you want to know what the reason, reason, wow. first reason, why? Second reason, how is that going to affect all the property values on that road? And third reason, and the third is how, do, how can you acquire as many as you can before, they, before everyone else knows? Wow. That, that was the first. That was the first. So, and now, man, you were saying that I'm, I'm thinking about my county because, like, right now with COVID-19, they started working on all the roads, you know, in certain areas. So now my question is, why are they widening yes. the road, you know? If they're widening the road, there's, there's a few reasons. So I, I, I'm very active in Putnam County, okay. Florida. Um, they've been – Putnam County, Florida, they're widening Highway 20 from two lanes to four lanes. The reason they're widening is uh, because it's going to be the ma- major uh, evacuation route from the south to the north in right. the event of storms. But regardless, that's opening up that entire county to new traffic and new routes where, uh, you know, supplies for gasoline, for instance, aren't, ain't going to come down I-95 if they could go to the northwest part of the state through I-20. Right. That's going to create a lot more traffic. That creates opportunity. Right. So we went and bought property that was zoned commercial, rather residential, that we knew was going to get reallocated to commercial once the road was widened. But there's a catch to that too. We got caught, we got caught kind of with our pants down on that one because the original plans where they were taking the property from across the street right. from the South side of the street. And they ended up changing the plans and taking the property wow. on the North <laughs> side. So we, we got caught up with the yeah. intimate domain, you know, that we still, we still made money, but it wasn't the oh. amount of money that I was hoping to make. Cause we were going to have 3000 linear feet on that highway. Wow. You know how much money that property yeah. would have been worth? Wow. Oh, so they're paying you for taking yeah. your portion of your property. Yeah. Of oh, course man. they are. Exactly. Yeah, they are. Right. Yeah. They did actually. They took it. Uh, right. And they did pay us. But the point is, if you got to think outside the box. How are you going to – the, 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 the point of this conversation is to think outside the box, think smarter, and do what everyone else isn't doing. You know, yeah, everyone else is sending out letters. Everyone else is – going to make the phone calls, but how do you know where the, where the real opportunity is if you don't take the time out to do the real studying, the, the right. background work? You know, unless, you know, unless you're doing it in your backyard that you know everything and know everyone and, 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 and you have contacts, that's a different right. story. But if you want to grow, we found that we, in order for us to grow our, our real estate, for lack of a better word, right. empire, we needed to we needed to get out of our comfort zone, and our comfort zone was in Brooklyn, New York. But the prices were moving so dramatically and so quickly higher that the numbers didn't make sense on the return. And I wasn't comfortable with just making a three percent return or four percent return and hoping that the property value goes up. I wanted to make a return on the property value increase and on my monthly rental. Um, right. Income. So I, I want to ask what. It, like, are you buying single-family homes around Florida or just, like, um, apartments? No. And I'll tell you, single-family homes, great investment. You know, I don't particularly buy single-family homes, I, although I do have two of them in my inventory, but I bought those for personal reasons. They right. weren't business reasons. Um, they do make money, but I actually lose money by holding on to them uh, because of opportunity right. costs. However... 
So if we're out of the state, I like to buy condos. I like to buy condos, and I know a lot of investors shy away from it, and that's one of the reasons why the, the I love main, to buy condos. Most investors. No, the away. main reason. Yeah. Most. Well, like, I would say the main reason them condos is for people who don't know in Florida they have HOA fees in which it eats up the cash flow. Correct. So go ahead. Well, it depends, right? And I'll and I'll explain to you why. We have. I won't go into exact numbers, but we've we've got a lot of doors in, in, in central Florida. And I pay those HOA fees and I and I only invest in specific HOAs. And I actually did another video on that on, on my YouTube channel. But what to look for. I won't buy an HOA that's not well run. Um, if they if they don't have their capital improvement funds well funded and on schedule. I won't right. buy because then you're going to get hit with an additional uh, increase in your, in your HOA. Right. Um, I do. I only buy in well-managed properties. If I drive up to the gate and the gate's not working or if the grass is not green or the trees are overgrown, I won't even drive into wow. the community. If I, if I get into the community and I see bicycles and barbecues on the porch, or the balconies, or hanging clothes, I will not buy right. that community. So you want to look for like at least B class or higher? I don't know. I won't right. go for the A class. I'll do a B class okay. and I'll do a C class. A class, I always feel get hit the hardest in a recession. B class is right. working people, honest working people, and they're always going to pay the rent. Right. Um, so having said that, the reason I buy condos when we when we leave the or townhomes when we leave the city of New York is because there's nobody that's going to take care of property like me. I've hired property managers and I end up firing within two or three months. Right. Your HOA pays for everything. It pays for your roof. Pays for your landscaping. Pays for your exterior walls. Your, it, it literally pays right. everything. Right. So all I have to concern myself with is the inside of that unit. And if I if I renovate that unit the way I renovate my New York apartments, right. which we do, there's really no issue. I have units that I don't get phone calls for three or four years, and then when I do get a phone call, it's because the toilet flap isn't or isn't <laughs> closing or the faucet doesn't have a leak. You know, so I I I have one of my guys because we have two crews working six days a week in Florida. So I'll pull one of the guys off the crew and send them to do my maintenance stuff once a week. Wow. So, all right, I just want for people. They want to get numbers. I'm going to give you a deal, the numbers. I wanted to see if you say, would you buy that or would you not? All right. So uh, let me get paper and pen, but right. I'm listening. So you got Go a ahead. condo for sale for $80,000, right? It's for sale for $80,000. And the rent, that condo will rent out for $1,000 a month. The HOA is $200 a month. And when you drive up to the gates, it looks it, everything looks great. It got a pool. It looked good. So eighty thousand dollar purchase price. It rent for a thousand dollars, and the HOA is two hundred a month. So I'm going to ask you this: What's your tax? What are your taxes? Taxes. Let's say let's go um, uh, fifteen hundred for the year, and insurance a thousand dollars for the year. So you got twenty five hundred dollars. Right. You need to figure out another 500 for miscellaneous. 
I'm assuming you're going to edit this, right? Because this is going to take oh, me a minute. Yeah, I will. Well, I mean, you don't have to give an exact number, but I'm just trying to give people an idea. Uh, I can't. I, if you know me, I don't do anything oh, okay. that's not exact. So you got you got 433 a month, 434 a month. So let's cut that to 435 a month in expenses. Okay. Right. Right. So people right now, this is one of the main things, deal analyzer. Once you know how to analyze a deal, it looks like you're going to do it in a couple of minutes, and you can do analyze a lot of deals. So you right? got, you have, you have an 8.5, return right. on your rental income. So now the next thing is this, and this is the real important part. You don't make your money on the rental income. You make your money on the purchase. So if you told me you're buying out at $80,000 right. and the property is currently worth without you sticking a nail on the wall yet, 100000 then I tell you it's worth doing because you're making 8.51% return, which is basically paying you right. for your efforts. You're making $20,000 on a day you walk into the property just on asset appreciation. And you're going to make the additional asset appreciation depending on where you're at in Florida. So, for instance, if you go to Ultimont Springs, that was growing at about 9% to 12% a year for five years straight. Okay. So, so every year I was making on my condos up there 9 to 12% in addition to my rental income. 9 to 12% in appreciation. So you're looking – in that case, in this right. deal right here, you will be focused on the appreciation rather than – the actually monthly cash flow from this deal. No, there's three things you're going to focus on. Your monthly average cash flow and 8.5% is pretty damn good, to be honest wow. with you. If you're making money when you're buying a property, which means you have to buy right. it below market. And two, what's, what's been the history with, uh, what's been the history in that particular area or that particular community for appreciation and right. property value? Okay. Got it. All right. So that's what a lot of people you want to analyze deals. And he didn't we just made up a property. But you, as you can see, he got his own formula set up where he can in less than two minutes basically tell you whether even if you should go look at that deal or not. Right. Right. Precisely. Okay. All right. And again, you know, listen, I, I am actually I was so excited when you called me to do this because I'm actually giving all this away for free only because right. I can now. Um, I'm at that point in my life. So I actually, you and I, you, I could stay here. I'm like more like Rick, you know, Rick, Rick, if you get Rick on the phone. He yeah. can talk to you for two hours because he loves what he does, you know, and so do I. And we don't need to, we don't, you know, fortunately in the, up this part of our lives, we could actually share this with no right. threat. And that, and that's one of the things like even just talking to here to me, like I can talk about this all day too, cause I love it. But I used to be working before I started doing real estate full time. I was working at the post office. And, you know, I have um, a podcast basically set up at like six o'clock. Man, it's five forty-five. They want me to go back out. You know, I I enjoy doing this. You know, other than just working my nine to five, I was enjoying doing this. So basically, this right here, like you said, is not work to me, but it's it's fun. It is. I love it, man. It, again, if you love what you do, you'll always right. be good at it. And the money will eventually come. It always right. does. All right. So, you know. but again, I know condos are, are, 
for the same reason you quickly said, you know, the mm-hmm. HOA fees. I don't have a problem with those HOA fees. And I'll tell you another reason why. Because if I owned a home, I'd be spending two or 300000 a month just on the landscaping, maintaining the outside, so I don't get any violations from the community managers or the, or the city or the township. Right. So you're paying it regardless. It's just a matter of how you pay it or who you pay it to. But you're going to pay it. Right. So from, from me as an investor doing it from a distance, it alleviates me of a lot of headaches. It leave me, it leave, I don't have to worry about the roof the siding, the sidewalks, the landscaping, whether the paint's chipping, uh, whatever it may be on the exterior. I only concern myself with the inside right. of that. So you think when you buy a condo, your property management, your the money you spend on property management, it decreases a lot, basically. Well, I don't spend anything because, well, essentially, I would have the same people doing property management for me that I currently, because we do everything in-house. I will not hire a property manager. Um, right. Every time I have, I had nothing but headaches. Uh, or I shouldn't say not, nothing but headaches. There are some good ones. But there are very few that are going right. to be as detailed as I am. So I actually do. I conduct my own interviews for every single apartment. Even if the person looks good on paper, if I feel we're gonna, right. we have a pers- personality conflict, I won't rent it to them. Um, so that's one of the reasons why we have a very low... Um, non-payment. Wait, you interviewed the tenant before they moved in? On video? Every single one of them. Or phone? Or phone, okay. Uh, Both. Zoom, Zoom. You know, Zoom has changed. This pandemic has changed every... uh, Technology has changed so dramatically where and this pandemic has pushed us all to uh, embrace technology even more. So the last two apartments I rented that I did right. with you, I did it on Zoom. Okay. If if you could delegate one thing with your skill set, somebody can be just as good as you at the, with the skill, what would it be? Something that you do every day that you wish you could delegate to somebody else. So I've come to realize everything I do could be delegated. Right. I used to think I had to do it all myself. Um I went to a conference back last April. Uh, it was called Valuetainment, the Vault Conference. Uh, right. It's a guy named Patrick David. And I came out of there rejuvenated and realized I needed to move away from the $15 hour jobs if I wanted to continue to grow. And since then, I've actually delegated so much more. So essentially, we could delegate everything. The question is, can you oversee everything? that you're delegating. Um, and, and that's a process and procedures that we have to put into place right. that we, that are working. Okay. So that's what, what advice at. would you give yourself at uh, 28 years old from what you know now with best one piece of advice? Stay on, Stay the, on the course. course. Okay. Stay on the course. And and most importantly, I'd say to, I would ask myself, right. what's your why? It, and what's look, that's that my next question. Why do you want to be why are Why did you do all this? Why do you work so hard? What was your reasoning for gaining all these, um, these basically properties and whatnot? What's your, what's your why? My real why? <laughs> You're probably going to laugh at me now. <laughs> one, one of my, I had several whys. 
One of my major whys was to go back to high school, grade school, and junior high school and say to all my old teachers, I oh, make more money than you all together. <laughs> and that, so, so that was your first why that motivated <laughs> you to go, you know, trying to get all these properties. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, man. I know I know that sounds and then it's funny then when I you when I was finally in that position. Right. I no, no longer yeah. have yeah. but no. Hey, you need something to put no. that fire in the belly. Like, all right, let's go. Yeah, listen. My the, the other why was money right. creates power. You don't get pushed right. around when you have money. I'm not saying you should be you should show right. off about it because I'm not that guy. You know, can I afford to buy myself a brand new Mercedes 500 series every two years? Absolutely. Do I do that? No, I don't. It's not what I want to teach my kids. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with those people that do. Right. It's just not what I do. Um, the other problem, the other reason why I won't is because I start thinking about all the money that car cost me. And I said, damn, I could have bought another yeah. property with that. And <laughs> so, and that gives me more enjoyment. So having said that, the biggest thing is when you got money, right. no one can push you around. No one. You, you could actually, you, you, if you choose to, you could create the damage instead wow. of you being the victim of the damage. All right. All right. This is the fire, fire round. We got five questions. You just, first thing come to your mind, basically, that's what it is. If you can hang out with one person for a day to pick their brain, who would it be? All right. You know, you got Patrick to explain. Who is, who is this guy? Patrick. I got to Google. <laughs> 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 Patrick McDavid's in his early 40s, mid 40s. He's an Iranian refugee. I don't normally, uh, I like, I had not gone to a conference in maybe 15 years because everyone you go to, they're always upselling you. I went to his conference last April and I felt like I was an impossible that was sent out to encourage wait, entrepreneurship. Wait. The man did not allow anybody to sell upsell you anything. He was on stage teaching from nine wow. in the morning till nine at night. He's got an awesome, uh, an incredible. Uh, yeah, that's what. How you spell YouTube his channel? Patrick. Uh, Bet B E T dash oh, David D A V I D, and his YouTube okay. channel is Valuetainment. Right. I'll put him in the show notes. Um. The man, the man never graduated from college, but gets 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 uh, requests all the time to speak at universities and business schools, and he's just you know again. There's a lot of he does a lot of right. interviews. Some I don't particularly care for, many I do, but you always take away something that you that encourages you to do something different in your right. business procedures. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, without a doubt, okay. would want to shadow him. <laughs> we got a new person. All right. What, what's your purpose on earth? What value do you bring to the world? Do you feel like is your purpose? My purpose is to be a good man, be a good dad, right. be a good son, and teach my okay. kids. And also, what do, do you do the easiest with not much effort? Like, what's your God-given talent, if you could think of my God-given talent so is to you, see oh, the deal. So you recognize the deal quick. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, there's something we had to work at. It's not, you know, it's 
you know, either you have it or you don't. But you could always see the deal under certain situations. One, that's your talent. And two, you may be the most talented person. And I'll give you an example. Michael Jordan. Right. One of the most talented ball players, right? Kobe, one of the most talented ball players. Rest his soul. Those guys didn't rest on their talent. They worked harder than the guys who had less talent. Yeah. That's why they were great. They didn't they didn't rest. They didn't they didn't say I got the talent. No. They said I got the talent and I got to build on that. Don't sleep, man. When everyone else is sleeping, you work. Right. When everyone else is partying, right. you work. Educate yourself. It costs absolutely nothing to educate yourself. There's so much free information on YouTube and on the internet. Um, you know, even if you read slow, like I read extremely slow. So yeah. I get all my books on. Audio. That's how I started learning about real estate. I was driving in the mail truck. If I, I listen to audio books or podcasts. Yeah. Exactly. It's downtime. So you were you were yeah. learning while you were making dollars. Did. Essentially, you were, the government. Right. Look, the post office was I paying you to five learn. Years. I didn't discover like audio books and podcasts until after the first year I got tired of listening to music. So for the last four years, I was literally like right. soaking up Gary V, Bigger Pockets. I don't know if you heard, you heard of that, right? Have you? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Bigger Pockets. Yeah, for, the, for four years. Great great. Platform. So they kind great of platform. like the people on there, like the guests, they kind of became my friends. I thought that was normal to have 10 rental properties. So by the time I looked up to like where I was really living at in society, I'm like, oh, this is not normal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah. That's a great story. I was so I was I was story. in the headphones yeah. in my ear, so I was comparing my life to their life, you know. And then precisely look, my my nephew, he's uh 33 years old. He started buying property three years ago. He's up to 13 right. houses, single family homes in, in, in uh Indiana. Wow. Meanwhile, he lives in New York. He's he works down at Wall Street, makes a really good living. Um, but he was just telling me that he's to the point where he's going to get seven to eight more properties. And, you know, he's, to, he's thinking of making a total estate. career change. And yeah. yeah, and the kid's only 33 years old. You know, it's inspiring yeah. when I hear stories like that. Right. Um, well, not only here and in his case, I'm actually witnessing it. You know, it, it's it's alleviating when you can buy that first piece of property. And, you know, I could only tell your audience the most important thing that you could possibly do is to listen to podcasts like yep. this and to read. Don't ever, don't ever stop <laughs> learning. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'll give you one book I would recommend. It's yep, called the millionaire mind. Um, favorite book, millionaire mind. Millionaire mind. Yeah, so essentially, I read this book. My wife, I, I used wow. to take only five days off a year, um, and we would go up to Cape, to a place called Cape Cod, uh, Massachusetts. We go up every year with the kids, and I, that's the only time I ever had time to read, right? Because there were no podcasts and audio books back then. And I'm and I'm reading this book, and I'm looking at my wife, and I says, "This book says we're going to be rich," and she says to me, "Uh." Well, you've been telling me that since since the day we met, which wow. was literally in my case when I was 18 years old. 
And I said to her, I know I've been telling you that, but this book says the way we're living our life is the way these self-made millionaires live their life and got rich. You know, everything it says to do, we've been doing. And uh, sure enough, two years later, that's when skies when you, when you say the skies opened up, we can see was it stuff. like you realized, oh, this really works? Like we, or like we got enough properties? What was that, like that shift in your mindset? Um, that I was able to literally, after 20 years of just doing retail between all those establishments we spoke of earlier, that I was able to go full-time into real estate. And the best part was that the real estate we had accumulated over the wow. 20 years yes. was paid for in full. Right. So it was total cash flow, which, which gave me that huge cushion to get rid of everything I, I built up for 20 years on the retail side to go straight strictly into fixed flip right. as well as long-term investments. So, you know, but, we did that with a lot of sacrifice. So, you know, I, I wasn't driving expensive cars. We didn't live in, you know, I mean, we lived in a clean, nice house, but it wasn't a huge house. Uh, we didn't take vacations. You know, it was, we, we, we were, we were living, I would save for every hundred dollars I made, we only wow. lived on seven. So, okay. The right. other 30 went that makes sense. to reinvest. So one of the questions I forgot to ask you was, yeah. I don't know how often you, uh, come across sellers, but say you you find a, a a house down here in Florida or New York, but it's a good deal, and you talking to the seller. How do you um, make the seller at ease? Like you know, it's worth five hundred thousand, but they're thinking about selling it to you for three hundred. What's your approach to that seller to get the deal done? Right. I always tell the seller the truth. So I'll tell the seller from the beginning, you can get more money if you give right. it to a realtor and sell it to an end user. That's the first thing I tell them. Then I tell them why my number is my number because I'm not going to live here. I'm not in love with the property. It's all right. about business to me. It's all about the numbers. But what I make sure the seller understands the value in selling to me versus selling to someone else is that my deals close regardless and it closes as soon as title's done. Most of the time, I don't even do an engineer's report. And I come, I come in with cash. So that's another reason why we, most of the time, I'll beat whoever else is coming in, in the door right after us or who came yeah. into the door before us. The other reason we beat our competitors is because we've developed a reputation of keeping our right. word, even if the deal goes south. I'll close on a deal. Because my, my reputation has a value and it's a much more higher value than the amount I could possibly lose if the deal goes south. So we, we're contacted all the time by different title companies where the deal falls apart at the table, especially right. when there was a lot of short sales going on because somebody would, you know, do the short sale, commit to the short sale, the short sales closing a year and a half later. And now that buyer's disappeared because he bought something else in the interim. So now the title company or that short sale negotiator did all the work and they want to call us because they say, wow, these guys will step in and yeah. close it right away because everything's already done. So, you know, not only that, but the short sale negotiator will always call us first too because they know we're going to work the deal. They know that, you know, we, we will work the deal with uh, no matter how difficult right. that asset manager may be from the bank. 
Um, no matter how many BPOs the property goes to, if the property has to, we have to wait a year and a half, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, right now I've got wow. short sale contracts on my desk. Um, some, some of them are six months old, right. some of them are three months old, some of them are a year old. Eventually, I would say two thirds of those are eventually closed. The other thing is bank bankruptcy attorneys. And I'm, these are all things, guys, I'm giving you so much information here, but the information I'm giving you right now, it's all right. about developing a reputation. And that takes, that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. So bankruptcy attorneys, they know that we're going to close and they know in order to get the person out of, out of foreclosure, they got to put them into bankruptcy and they know they got to get that house into a, into a short sale contract. So they'll tell the realtor, listen, you know, you got listed, but why don't you call Dan Barrero or, or Dave Barrero or DB Land Investments, essentially, um, which is the, the, the main company that we have, because they know we're going to close the deal, if, assuming right. the property fits the criteria. So we've developed a really good relationship with multiple REO agents, with multiple short sale negotiators, with multiple uh, foreclosure attorneys. These are relationships Correct. that you can't put a value on. Um, and it takes a long time to create those relationships right. where they feel comfortable with you. So the, the thing I, I got to tell your audience, the most important thing is to always be truthful, right. even if it means that you won't get the deal. Tell the truth. Um, because I can't tell you how many times I haven't gotten the deal. But then a month later, three months later, I get the phone yeah. calls and they want to do the deal. Right. Because I told them the truth. And they went with someone else and, and realized, wait, Dan yeah. Barrero was telling the truth. This guy's lying. Your word is your bond. And they called me back. What was right. coming? It was yeah. one. Was oh, yeah. This is a um, side question before the last one. If in an ideal world, if you was buying 10 properties, what percent would you think would be an ideal number to flip versus rent to keep as long-term rentals if you was buying a package of 10? Or just one and then the next one, like versus keeping some and flipping some. So if I'm buying ten properties, my fir the first situation I gotta look at is um, what, what's my financial situation. You are you I, you're not you don't have a lot of cash. You're just kind of getting started. So you, you you know you make some money off the flip, and then you got some money, then you you know keep a rental, but you don't got no more than let's say a hundred grand. Well, not, not okay. Not so you ain't buying ten properties for cash for the hundred thousand. <laughs> not buying them all at once. Who's gonna do the financing for you? So let yeah, me not let me tell you how once, I though. approach this. Like one after another. Like I actually over a year. All right. Ah, all right. That's a simple answer. I can tell okay. you how I started, and similar to that, I would buy the property, renovate the property, get the property up to, you know. Uh, rental right. ready and, and having a good cash flow, rental income, refinance up to 75% of the property. I never refinance more than 75% because I want to keep my mortgage at a point that if even if rents drop or something happens with a bad right. recession, I can still make that payment. Then I take that 75% okay. by the second property. Now, remember, I only lived on 70% right. of, of my income back then. So I would always I was always saving money, right? So now I take whatever I saved plus the seventy five percent I refinanced property one, and I take that that money buy the next property, 
fix the property, refinance that property for 75%. That's how you keep going. The no, system. I, am I don't have to tell you what that, that is, right? One of my, you know, I'm so, stuck at, they told me I had to wait six months. And that was one of the things I, I never knew you had to wait six months to refinance it. Well, that's happening now, right? Because the banks are going to start contracting. Even though the banks are getting uh, interest rates extremely low from the from the federal the federal reserves, they're not going to lend out as much as they were lending, and they're going to make it more difficult to lend because they don't want to get caught right. with so their hands down like they did in two thousand eight. Now that's happened in every single recession that I've ever well, been they through, said with it's the exception of two thousand. You got to wait six months. Like I bought a property cash, and then fixed it up, rented it no. out. Now I'm trying to refi, but they said I got to wait six months, or you can only refi for the purchase price. No, that wasn't always. Oh, okay. That was not always the rule. If you're interested, give me a call afterwards and we could talk. Right. I could refer you to some people who can get you the money. But, you know, the other thing is, I, I could tell you another way. I We, we used to do a lot of yes. our deals. Do you own a home? Uh, do you well, have I'm any equity in the home? <laughs> Where were you about to say that? <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I could. I, I got to tell you why I tell people don't refinance the home, take a home equity line because the home equity line costs you absolutely nothing. They don't charge you origination fees. They don't charge you application fee. They don't charge you an appraisal fee. They charge you nothing. As long as you right. keep the loan open for two years, they don't even charge you the recording fees. Uh -huh. Okay. You take that loan and that's, that's, that's your investment money. Right now, they're averaging about 3.5%. After your tax implications, when you deduct that 3.5% from, from the cost right. from your company because the company's been paying the interest, what you're really paying is about 1.75% for that money. But you got to be disciplined. You know, I've seen people take home equity lines and go right. buy a new car, go on vacations and buy new furniture. Well, none of those things make you money, man. They, those are liabilities. None of them make you money, yep. and they all depreciate in value. But if you're going to use it wisely to make you money, it's the cheapest right. way to finance your business. I'll, I'll tell you another thing I did, and you probably when I started off, I the second property I bought almost put me in bankruptcy. I didn't. I made so many mistakes; it was outrageous. And for two years, right. what I would business do is credit, open up but... another credit card because every right. time, no, just a regular credit card. Because every time I opened up that credit card, they told me they would give me. If I transferred a balance over right. for the first six months, it was free. So I would open up another credit card every six months and keep transferring balances for two or three years. And then I think the last year they were charging me 3% for every credit, for every balance I, I switched over. So if I switched that over right. twice a year, that was only 6% interest. Back then the interest Jeez. rates were between 14 and 18%. Dang. So do you, do you recommend, anyway, you don't recommend doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't right. recommend doing that. No, I didn't have a choice. Yeah. But I had to figure it out, man, is what I'm saying to you. There's always a way to figure out. If you tell me you can't afford it, but you but at the same time you're wearing a brand pair of brand new right. sneakers, you could afford it. You chose not to afford it. You know, if you tell me you can't afford it, but you're driving around a late model car, right. you could afford it. You chose not to afford it. You know, it's all about what we're willing to sacrifice right. and how so, creative we're willing right. to get. The last statement question. The the 
the original New American Dream was, you know, you would have worked a typical job, nine to five for 40 years, and then you'd be retired right now just drinking uh, pinatas or something. But what is your version of the New American Dream? And as you said, think of are your kids. What do you think their version of the New American Dream is in 2020? I could tell you what my dream is. My dream is to be able to travel wherever I want to travel. Actually, right. I can tell you right now because I'm living my dream. I want to be in a position that I could do whatever right. I want. So I am living my dream. You know, I've got I've got four kids. Three, my third just graduated uh, last week. None of my kids are going to graduate with any student debt. And they're all good kids. So, and I could literally pretty much travel wherever but, I want, whenever I want. So, but you still I'm working. my American dream. I mean, on a daily basis. I'm working because I love right. what, because I love what I do now. Because I have to do real estate. Well, right now, I feel like I could do it forever. I'm not tired or even close. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'm going to tell you something. I had an accountant. I, I was very fortunate to become friends with older men and guys that were very successful either in their family lives or financially. And, you know, and I had a really good mentor, my dad at home, my uncles, my aunts, they all came here without knowing the American, the English language, without pen, without just pennies in their pocket. And all my cousins and I, we're all educated. We've all done very well. Um, so I've had mentors throughout my entire life, but the mentorship came more from the way they lived their lives rather than what they the way said, they lived their life instead sense. of what they said, right? You know, they, they they didn't give any excuses why they weren't at work. They didn't give any excuses why they couldn't accomplish something. You know, it was all about just get it done, right? Hey, that is it, Mr. Daniel Barrero. Hey, I thank you for coming on the podcast. This is going to be a great episode. A lot of people, especially it's a younger audience that listen to this, but you gave away a lot of free gems. Um, you can send me the bill later. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, man, you, you guess want to, you know, I give away all this yeah, information for free on my YouTube channel. Um, Your Instagram is my Instagram. USA underscore land underscore ventures and in any other places or uh, websites. Yeah. Same, uh, my uh, website is usalandventures.com. Uh, Ventures is with an S at the end. Um, you could find me on Facebook under Daniel Barrero Jr. You could also find me on um, on USA YouTube Land at usalandventures. We uh, we just yeah, we just we just launched our YouTube channel. It's, we've added, actually had it for like right. three years, but we weren't doing anything with it. But we are now putting up. Some serious good content, and I try to put up stuff that's under five minutes, on, between four, three and a half to four and a half minutes, and it's all the stuff that you're not going to find watching everyone else. I try to give gems that are actual real life lessons all within right. the business. I itself. will put the YouTube channel in the show notes so you can go check out Mr. Daniel now. Hey, I really appreciate it. It was a um, great information that you gave us and I look forward to uh, talking to you soon.